Welcome to another Screenfish one-on-one. I'm thrilled you could join us today as we are here with Antonio Yenko, uh, the director of the Vaughn Film Festival, Vaughn International Film Festival. You got it. Vaughn International Film Festival, which is taking place this weekend and next weekend, I believe, uh, here in, uh, well, in, in Vaughn, Ontario. Uh, Antonio, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate it. Thank you, Steve, for taking the time out of your schedule to interview me and, and ask a little bit more about what is Cinema Under the Stars and inspiring future filmmakers and all these incredible programs. So thank you. Well, I'm excited about this because I have had the chance uh, to be to the Vaughn Film Festival before. Uh, but I would let, let's start with that, talking about this. I was wondering for you, how long is, uh, has the film festival been running and how did it come about? So it's, it's a great question. Uh, because we're hitting, we're in our 10th year this year. We celebrate our 10-year milestone. Um, so we, we've already had our June programming, which is our typical one-week-long festival with international films that submit student films, um, as well as an award show that ties it all in. But this programming that we're doing right now, uh, what makes it so unique is it was actually because of the pandemic. The pandemic challenged the festival for the last two years. And I'll circle back to you originally asked like where it started. So I'll circle back to it, but I sort of want to give you the cold notes of where we are, why we're here. And then I'll take you back to like where we started. Um, so the last obviously two years, uh, similar to a lot of other events, we had to shift things. Um, instead of shifting to a virtual format, we tried to create the safest in-person experience that we could for people, knowing like the impact on people's mental health for having to stay home and do everything from, we call it the comfort of our own home, but I think it got to a point where it was like the least comforting place was being at home for that long period of time. So we were super challenged with putting on an event in 2020, um, but we were probably the only event outdoors in the city of Vaughan um, in the year of 2020. Uh, at that time, Canada's Wonderland was closed. There was a whole bunch of other things that had closed down, but we put together a drive-in. Um, I grew up watching films at the drive-in. We would go three, four times a summer with my family. I'll jump in the Jeep Blazer and head down to the 400 driving, which is funny because it's like right next to where we are now, where it used to be. But we would all jump in my dad's Blazer and the whole family would go out and watch films. And we would always go on those like super long weekends where they would play like, I think it was three to five films in a row. So you were watching them while the sun was rising the next day. Um, I remember watching City of Angels, the stands are, I just remember Nicolas Cage in City of Angels, and like the ending of it, he's on top of that skyscraper, and it was like the sun was rising, and while I'm watching that, I'm seeing the sunrise behind him, something that always sticks in my head, but I feel like there's nothing like going to the drive-in to be able to be outdoors with friends and family and see these incredible films, any films that you're interested in going out to see. There's something special about being seeing it in that format, so we did that for the last two years, 2020 and 2021, huge success. Um, people loved it and actually encouraged us to shift our regular programming in June to an outdoor format. So we're having talks about what that might look like. Um, but we wanted to change it up this year with obviously less restrictions, things starting to normalize. We wanted to create an event that allowed people to get out of their cars. Um, so we created what is VFF shortcuts. Shorts because the festival focuses on short films, anything 20 minutes or less. And then cuts the acronym for cinema under the stars. Um, and the idea is that we get guests to come out. We have Muskoka chairs out there. We have food vendors. We have a little market that takes place. There's musical acts that are leading up to every screening each night. So you get a chance to enjoy these incredible films, incredible musical acts, um, this great little market to support small businesses, all in the comfort of 
one block to be able to experience all these things. So that's where we are now with what Cinema Under the Stars is. Um, but how we got to this point, 10 years ago, myself and uh, a friend of mine, um, we had started the, we ran our own production company. And from that, we knew that we always wanted to create an opportunity for emerging artists. When you're your own independent filmmaker, you know the trials and tribulations of starting your own production. I like to say you're not going in on a shoestring budget, you're going in on a no-string budget. Um, and we saw those challenges. And then to layer on the fact that you submit to these festivals and you have to budget for hotel accommodations, airfare, the whole nine yards, it becomes super challenging. And a lot of times filmmakers can't make those trips out there. But if you're going to make the trip out there, is there a return on your investment? And it's not always distribution. Unfortunately, as much as everyone would love to secure distribution at every festival they go to, the reality is that's not the case. So we knew that it was important to add some sort of educational component to the festival and in tandem with that bridge, the emerging artists with the industry professionals. So that when you left this festival experience being VFF, you felt like there was a return on your investment. Like you had, you know, again, being an independent filmmaker, a lot of those proceeds or a lot of the funding that you're using is your personal funding from your full-time job that you're doing, doing something else. And for me, for the first four years, was I was an electrician. So I would be doing electrical during the day, be on the job site at seven o'clock, finish at like three, four in the afternoon, and then go on a film set until one, two in the morning. Um, but when you love it, it's not like you're going to two jobs. It's like you have one job and you're going to something that you love afterwards. So um, we did that. We, we started the idea in 2013 based on our own, um, I guess, trials and tribulations of not having a budget to get into festivals or making the trip out there. We knew we wanted to fill that, that void. And instead of just complaining about it, we knew starting a festival would have been part of that solution. So that was 2013. Ever since then, we've had over a thousand submissions come into the festival from over 60 different countries. And when we say international, we don't use that word lightly. Um, if you look at our programming, there's, I think this year we're looking at there are, well, this past programming our our 2022 programming in June, I think we had our most, um, wide array of films from different countries in regards to the program. And we've actually never had, it's unfortunate, but there's a, a plus to it too. It just shows the type of international content we have. We've never had a Canadian film win best film at the festival. And we've been running this for 10 years. We've, I've noticed that the quality of Canadian short films have gotten substantially better, at least the ones that have submitted to the festival I could speak to. Um, and we've had like this year, Ali Dunbar won best actress for a film called The Bubble, which was actually nominated for best film as well. Um, so we're starting to see emerging Canadian artists really take advantage of VFF, which they should because it's in their own backyard. And it's not like they're traveling that far. If they're from the province of Ontario already, it's it's a drive away. Right. Why not take advantage of it? Um, so, yeah, I guess I don't know if I answered that question. I sort of went off, but I, I was trying to paint that whole picture of where we are with it. No, absolutely. And that's exciting. You know what I love that you touched on there is that a lot of people don't realize that whether it's a short film or a feature, that it's a labor of love for the filmmaker. You know, um, I, I have a friend who finished a documentary as a feature length. He's been trying to get funding for it. He's just finished it, but it took him seven or eight years uh, to get the funding. Most people, when they hear about a film, they think about The Rock making $30 million per film, so it's a big budget. But a lot of, the far, vast majority of these, these films, especially shorts, are from people who just really want to tell a story and uh, you know, they they're doing it themselves. And the interesting thing that now that you brought that up, Steve, is a lot of these filmmakers that we talk about, the Spielbergs, the Coppolas, they've started with shorts 
Hmm. Right? Like the, the Steven Spielberg's company emblem was the first title of his short film. Like there's there's a there's a there's a there's a sense of pride in your first short. Hmm. You know, it's the first time you got your feet wet with it. Usually, and not in all cases, some directors they go to TV and then straight from TV they might do feature. Or now it seems like TV is more prominent than feature. So they go from feature to like a television series um or a streaming series but i find that for the most part the the short is something more manageable when it comes to like a budget obviously and then being able to like um bring in talent for it and a lot more people are willing to work on it um to work on it as a labor of love as opposed to there being a hefty costs on bringing in a dp and so on and so forth and that's really where these emerging directors get their feet wet and then you see like we've seen it from the festivals channel we've seen emerging directors submit shorts to the festival and they've done well across the festival circuit and then their next film is a feature and they got green lit with like a massive budget um so and like a perfect example is in 2013 in our first year of the festival we actually had the oscar winning short film curfew mm. submit to vff um and that film got picked up by well Netflix ended up making a feature length version of it called Before I Disappear and starred Emmy Rossum, Ron Perlman, had a pretty, pretty big cast, a pretty notable cast. But it started with a short and the short was so well received that obviously there was an interest in green lighting it to create it to, into a feature. So sometimes it works that way. Sometimes the short is just the short. I love the idea when the short really just sits as its own. It doesn't necessarily need to be extended to a feature. And then that becomes your calling card or your business card when you're going to a meeting with the studio, because there's nothing more valuable than having actually made a film. It doesn't matter what the length is, but there's nothing more valuable than sitting with a producer and they're asking you, what have you done? And as opposed to just a screenplay you're presenting, it's like, no, this is a short film that I made. Yeah. this past year right because if they're looking at it they're thinking well what was your budget you know you can use any number for that matter but your budget's going to be significantly more when you're doing your feature so if i'm a producer and i saw what you did with a short film and how impactful that short was and how little your budget was i can only imagine what that's going to translate to uh when it comes to a feature as long as we're as, as long as we're supporting the artist's vision i think that's important if they were already able to demonstrate what they're capable of with that budget and that film you got to honor that that artist's vision and work with them. And I'm seeing more producers and I'm hearing it more in the industry as well. Is there like the writer is really considered like one of the most important people in a project, which mm -hmm. wasn't always the case, right? We, there was, there was that period of time where there was the writer strike in, on yeah. television, right? Like it's, it's, and I, and writers would argue with me and some would say that they're still, you know, underrepresented uh, when it comes to films, but I, what I'm hearing now more than ever. And I feel like, I really feel like Sopranos was like the kickoff for that, like what what Matthew Weiner had done. And then he ended yeah. up doing Mad Men after that. Like H, from my understanding, HBO was excited about the fact that like this screenplay is looks incredible. And we want to we want to bring these individuals on board to take this to another level. Um, and I think that was one of the first times where they I, I feel like the, the screenwriter on that probably got like one of the top. Well, it's one of the top credits, because right when Tony pulls up to his house, you always see who it's written by. So they're, they're really recognizing that. And I feel like they, they really came out of the gate with that and, and demonstrated the importance of a writer and everyone else will fall into play. Because if I'm an A-lister and it's hard enough to tie me, tie that person into a project, if that screenplay is strong enough, they're more likely to say yes to it and bite the bullet on the budget. And you hear about this all the time. It's like people will just want to work with Wes Anderson or Christopher Nolan. So they're willing to take a substantial pay cut just to get in a film with them and have that on their 
on their um, demo reel or just to say that they'd work with them, right? As part of their credits. So, and it's the screenwriter, right? It's the screenwriter that develops those, when it's Nolan, it's usually his brother that he works with on the screenwriting. Um, but it's those screenwriters that draw the script, bring the script to life. And then it's these filmmakers that obviously breathe life into that script. And then they cast accordingly. And with the strong script, you can do a lot of incredible things. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. One of, you know, we, we lose sight of the process a lot of times or the team aspect of something like this. It's not, it's not about one, one person, but you're, I, I love that you're talking about the writing there because that is, that is so often overlooked um, because they don't often get their names up on the, up on the marquee, you know, like you said, right. Um, just, you know, talking about the festival here, I was wondering about the emphasis on shorts because, you know, this, this is a really unique festival in the sense, well, I mean, there are other festivals that have to do with shorts. We talked about this one, but you're sitting out in the stars and you're getting, uh, you're getting a, a feast of, uh, of shorts from all over the world. Why such an emphasis on short films? Why are they so important to you? That's a great point. I think it's such a unique experience, especially in Vaughn, because there isn't another short festival in, in the city. Right. Um, but I also think that when you look at some of these other festivals, when they program shorts, they're like wedged in between the features, right? The focus is always the features and the shorts are, 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 are put in within the programs that are the programming time that is available. And there's no, no, no fault to the festival. Festival's focus is features. I get that, right? When we started it, the idea was always to provide an opportunity for the emerging filmmakers mm. and to, you know, reiterate what I had said earlier, the emerging filmmakers are usually starting out with short films. So if we're going to talk about celebrating emerging filmmakers, then we really have to consider what programming fits best for them. And it's the shorts. Um, but in doing that, you actually open up an entirely new door to film goers, film goers, right? Because they're so traditionally you're going out to a screening for another festival. And that one film is your night. You might have like a matinee show that you see earlier and then go to the evening show. And I really think hot dogs and Tiff are like two of the only ones that people are actually taking time off work yeah. and seeing like a matinee show and an evening show. Um, and thank God for those two festivals. Cause people can actually appreciate the value of what a festival can do for their community. Um, so we're, I'm extremely grateful to be as close as we are to hot dogs and to TIFF and for them to demonstrate to their communities the impact of festivals on their community. Um, but shorts is you're sitting in a theater for an hour and a half, two hours. And you mentioned earlier, you're getting this like it's like a treat. It's like a, a package treat of all of these incredible films from all these incredible places across the globe. And they're all sharing their different stories within that block of an hour and a half to two hours. So you leave there feeling like you've traveled the globe. I love saying that, like coming into a VFF screening, you feel like you traveled the globe because every, and obviously every person has their own lived experiences. But when you start looking outside of Canada and North America <clears throat> and start listening to the stories of these filmmakers abroad, you really have a better appreciation for what's going on in the world because they're telling it from their perspective and it's not being run through a, you know a media outlet and having like pulled a lot of the pieces out that might be like conflicting with what the media outlet feels is valuable and for no the filmmakers telling it from the source mm. and they're telling you what's how and it might be super unpleasant to watch 
um, I, and I shouldn't say to watch. It might be super unpleasant to like experience when you're watching it, but it's some of the realities that they're going through. And films aren't always going to make you feel great. They're going to make you feel uncomfortable. They're going to challenge the way you think. Um, and when they get you to do that, and we use our hashtag talking film, we use it for so many reasons, because the idea is when you walk out of a VFF screening, you should be talking film, mm. right? And it's not so much about like, one actor or that actor's performance was like because you're walking out of the screening of like 10 to 16 films you're talking about the films more so than anything and isn't what festivals or isn't that what festivals are all about is talking about the experience you had of seeing these short or like films in general but getting a chance to see like half of our lineup in one night because our traditional festivals two nights of international screenings and one night of student screens which we'll talk about in a bit but this year we had 16 film, eight films in each block. So we had 16 films in total. So if you had, if you were able to somehow with everyone's busy schedule, allocate two days of that week, the, the Monday and the Wednesday to watch films, you've watched our whole lineup. And then when you're coming to the award show on the Thursday, you're sitting at this award show, which I'm not saying it. It's, a, it's something that's reiterated by a lot of other people. It feels like you're at the Oscars or short films. Like we go above and beyond. Anybody who visits our website, looks at our gallery of our award show, you know, we've had a 250 foot red carpet by 30 feet wide. Like it's, and I, this is my event hat that I'm wearing. I just, I know how rare it is to see those things unless you're at TIFF rolling on a red carpet at like Reitman Square. Um, you're not really seeing that size. But for us, it's, we want to put these short filmmakers on the same pedestal that these feature filmmakers are put on because these are the next wave. This, this group is the next wave of filmmakers. So wouldn't you want to celebrate them now and then encourage that idea? And encourage them, hopefully, to continue to pursue this. And that might translate to them telling features. And if we can encourage storytellers to tell stories, we've done our job. I love that you're saying that. And I love, you know, you've talked a little, uh, quite a bit about helping emerging filmmakers. Um, I would like to, I would, I would love to know, uh, not just why that's important to you, because you've sort of shared that, but, but how you're doing that. Like what, like you, I know you said that, uh, you know, one of the, one of the nights is, I think you said one of the nights is just uh, for young filmmakers or student filmmakers. Student filmmakers, yeah. Um, so how is it that you're showing support to that next generation to help them uh, progress? So our student film lineup, which is, it's separate, but it's also in tandem with the festival, which is another thing we love about it. It's not, it happens the week of our main festival. And in some cases, it's actually opened up the festival. Um, and in this last year, we had it on the Wednesday, on the Tuesday, which was in between the two international blocks. But what we do, well, first, obviously, we want to support emerging filmmakers. So we usually use short films as a catalyst to do that. Secondly, we want to encourage them even earlier in their, in their lives to pursue film. So how do you do that? Well, we challenge high school filmmakers across the province of Ontario to submit a 10-minute short film to VFF. Um, we usually get about 100 short films across the province that submit to the festival. Uh, the winning school receives a bursary from VFF, receives a gift card from uh, one of our local partners. It's usually like a camera rental place or a camera store. And we do that because we want to encourage them to create their next project once they're done that film in high school, right? So... What gets us excited is the idea that you hear these filmmakers end up pursuing their post-secondary education. They, and they talk about how the festival inspired them to continue to pursue their passion for filmmaking. 
And we hear this all the time from filmmakers that have come through the festivals channel that have, whether they've won best at VFF, they've been nominated or they just screen. It's that in, it was the excitement of having their friends and family come on and watch these films on a Cineplex screen. Um, and their parents and family members actually understanding that like my son or daughter could potentially like do this for a living. And, Sometimes you need to create those lived experiences for the family members to appreciate what their son or daughter is trying to accomplish. Mm. Because it's one thing to say, I'm a filmmaker, and then I go out and shoot things. And don't get me wrong now, the power of the cell phone is a whole nother world. I get that, right? Mm. Um, and like you can share it on TikTok and it blows up. But if, if you're trying to craft the art of filmmaking and storytelling, like when you're, when especially parents who grew up in an era where going to the theater was more prominent than not, it's those same people that these children, or I shouldn't say these students, are con are convincing their parents at. They're at a cineplex saying, "Mom, Dad, like this is what I want to do for a living." And when they see it on the big screen, they see that their child's film is being shown there. They might actually like have a different conversation with their child where it's. It's more, it's less, you know, this is just a hobby of yours. It's more, okay, what can I do to help you? How can I support you? And we've heard that from a lot of parents. We've heard it from student filmmakers that have gone into the festival that because of VFF, they were inspired to continue to pursue their artistic ambition and their parents were more supportive of it. That's, that's powerful. That's amazing. Um, because you're absolutely right. I mean, that's not throwing shade on on parents at all to say this, but it's hard when your kid says, "Oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna make movies." Well, what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? Well, you know, uh, especially since we we talked about how, especially when you're starting out, there's <laughs> you, it's it's a lot of time and effort and and money to 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 be involved, but uh, to get that support from the parents. I think is is an incredible incredible opportunity to do that. Uh, just as you're talking there, I'm just thinking, and I don't know if this is an answerable question or not, but do you think there's been uh, a a shift or a change in this generation of storytellers? Because you you brought up things like TikTok and YouTube stuff like that, and 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 it is amazing to me, not just that that is a thing because that's nonsense for me to say that but that is we what well, we're living in a time where everybody wants to tell their story in one way or another so has that changed have you seen a change in in whether the way they tell their stories or the volume of people that want to tell their stories well volume for sure and mm -hmm. i have to say i think they're more ambitious now than ever mm -hmm. because they've seen less captivating stories blow up on social so i feel like and, and I feel like we're getting to a point now where there was a period of time where you could throw anything up on social and like it was so new and fresh that people would love it and like it. Right. And like there's these dance crazes on TikTok and all that. I think it's going to come full circle. I think the storyteller is going to prevail again. I don't think we're there yet. We're starting to see it. You see some of these. I don't want to call it. They're like video creators. Right. Um, that put these incredible videos together of like their even like their travel. Right. Like they've gone to some country and like they put a video together and it's it's less now just a highlight reel. It's more of a story of their adventure on that trip. So they're on the trip thinking, what is the most captivating story? Mm. 
growing up when I went on a trip as as much as I love film, I was looking forward to like being on a pool and relaxing. Right. Like I was, I was looking forward to go to Disneyland and like, you know, taking advantage of the, the theme park and the rides. You're seeing more and more that they're thinking about video concepts all the time. And you're already seeing like, and I've talked to a few people in, in marketing that have mentioned to me that there's more, ex, there's more excitement now or more interest on social with like videos than there is of just like stills or like just graphics, like to tell a story, a human story is really what's going to captivate people. And you've seen huge corporations do the same thing. It's like, you know, the banks of the world, let's tell a story about how we help this small family. Um, this, this young family, I should say, like get their first mortgage, but yeah. like, let's tell the story of this family doing that. That's, that's part of the next wave of filmmakers. They're telling these engaging stories um, and they have, they're, they're more willing to like take the risk, I think now, because I think the, and in all fairness, like the fall is a lot less, like you're not being given this budget and these expectations. You're doing it on your own dime. Um, you're doing it on your own time. And if it doesn't do well, it's going to have a few less hits than you wanted it to. And you can, always pull it off social, but now you have this incredible platform that allows you to tell as many stories as you want. Does it become inundating? Yes. There's a lot of stuff out there that I have no interest in watching. But again, I think the next wave you're going to see happen are these great storytellers start to prevail um, through TikTok, through all these different challenges. Story always wins. Story over everything. Like story always, always wins. And if you have a captivating story, people will be interested in it. Like you, how many times have we seen hundred, $200 million films that have fallen flat because they're not, they're not pulled from like a great story. And then how many times have you heard of these simple, super simple stories, but captivating stories that have moved the audience that watches it and that trickle effect, especially now with social, everyone's talking about it. Right. So I think, I think you're going to see story prevail again. And I, but I'm excited that the platform gives everyone these opportunities to tell their stories. Yeah, that's amazing. That and I love I love that story over everything. There, there's your yeah. tagline for 2023. Well, I, I I'm not gonna lie. Actually, that's a Penn Dance Film Festival tagline. I love that they do that. So I I, I want to quote them on that. They they were the ones <laughs> who, who use that for their tag. I think it's amazing because it really is story over everything, and they do such a great job there at Penn Dance as well. Um, but yeah, it's it. There's like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out right like it's you look at success in some stories and then the failure of others and if it's not drawn from the right place there's not going to be an interest like you have to give the and spielberg says this all the time give the audience more credit like give the make them challenge them a bit right like let them come up with some of the discovery of things that you need to don't always give the audience everything they they think they want to see and like a perfect example is war of the worlds like you very rarely saw these alien creatures like you saw it through the reflection of like the a windshield on a car while tom cruise was running mm. you saw tom cruise's reaction as he runs up that hill and he's looking over the hill and seeing what's happening but he never cuts to give you what's happening give mm. the audience the opportunity to develop these stories themselves and the story that they're going to create is more captivating than anything you can put on screen challenge them a bit more and give them the opportunity to use their own um, imagination to fill a lot of the gaps Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Antonio, this is phenomenal. I'm loving our conversation, but we're, we're running out of time. I, I'm just wondering, before we wrap up, how can people get involved in the Vaughn, uh, Vaughn International Film Festival? How can they connect? Well, uh, I guess 
to tie everything up nicely as well, um, as, as soon as I, before I get into like plugging in the dates, on top of the outdoor cinema that we have, we also have, sorry, we also have Inspiring Future Filmmakers, IFF seminar series that's taking mm -hmm. place every, the next two Sundays. Um, we have one on acting with Amy Joe and Sergio DeZio. They're both actors from Flashpoint. And then we have another one. Uh, so there's two on Sunday. There's one at 12 o'clock with them. And there's one at four o'clock with Steve Tickner. He's the supervising sound editor for the last three Spider-Man films. Wow. So if you want to talk about like, like supervising sound editors, the director of sound for a film. And we know how important sound is, especially when it comes to Spider-Man. So to get a chance to meet with this individual and ask him questions directly is going to be super exciting. That's a Sunday at four. And then next week we have another, a picture editor, JJ Geiger, um, who's going to be talking about picture editing and what his process has been with that. And he's done shows like Reacher. Um, he's done quite a few different shows if anyone wants to look into it. But yeah, we're excited to touch on these three components and stick tickets are still available. Visit vonfilmfestival.com for that. And you'll also see the rest of the programming that's included in that. Definitely take a look at the website. Follow us on social at Vaughn Film Festival on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, the whole nine yards. Oh, it's great. It's great. And, and uh, I, I was at one of those film festivals with the, during the pandemic where it, it really is remarkable to be out there. Even Well, first of all, during the pandemic, it was remarkable to be out there. But, I mean, just the opportunity to take in these, these great short films um, out under the stars is wonderful. Um, I'm I think it's a great opportunity. And uh, honestly, thank you for your time, Antonio. I wish you the best with the festival. Thank you, Steve. Thank, thank you for your time as well. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. Thanks. Uh, thanks again. And we'll get the word out. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs>